Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. Sorry for the late uh, late start and all that. We uh, had to get a couple of things in order, but we are we are on the air right now. Uh, this is, of course, Wednesday, December 2016, and welcome to episode number 259 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WWUS Radio Network, right here on It is the one and the only WWUS. Revolution. I'm, of course, Mr. W.S. I back on the line here with you. Um, and, of course, tonight uh, will be a big night here for us as we will, of course, dive into uh, wrestling news and views, which will be brought here by our news tag team, King Ice, which right now will be represented by the Iceman himself, J.D. Alamo. Of course, J.D. is a 2015 W.S. Hall of Famer, and he is also, of course, a uh, the host of Raw Radio every Monday afternoon from 3 to 5, as well as a big part of our other, our other shows here on the radio network. Also join us here tonight, the U.S. Press Machine John on the chat box here with us. John is the first 2016 WWE U.S. Hall of Famer and also part of the Raw Radio team. Uh, tonight he uh, came in a little bit uh, late, so he has turned over the wrestling history and birthday duties to me, and I will be, of course, bringing those here to you tonight. And... Of course, let's bring in J.D. and John here. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to number 259, uh, what promises to be a very exciting and explosive revolution. Indeed. Yes. Uh, in addition to our news and history tonight, we, of course, will be bringing you uh, results from not not only uh, uh, last night's SmackDown Live broadcast, but, of course, as SmackDown was the aftermath of this past Sunday's TLC pay-per-view, we will, of course, be diving into the TLC pay-per-view, giving our thoughts and opinions on each match and every encounter that took place. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, right after the discussions for, for both TLC and SmackDown, uh, we, of course, will be bringing you, uh, of course, some general wrestling talk. And, some, uh, and who knows, a few little wrestling extras will be coming your way here tonight as well. Uh, and, of course, I would normally turn this over to Gerard. King of W.O. Gerard T. Smith has not made it on. Hopefully, he'll be on here soon. But in the meantime, I will do this <clears throat> to take you know, and, and, of course, uh, hopefully, we'll be on to take care of this for the rest of the show. But I'll take care of this this one time. one seven two four four seventy four forty four. 474 44 The ID, of course, is 138055-POUND. And press that 1 if you want to chime in on anything that myself J.D. and John and who and the rest of our panel that pops on here tonight. Let's talk about here in terms of the world of pro wrestling. <clears throat> like I said, we do have a lot to talk about here tonight. What are you waiting for, folks? Pop on in here and let's talk some wrestling tonight. Uh, and to go and get us going here with our wrestling news and views segment is, uh, of course, the Iceman, J.D. Jerry DiGiromo has a few stories on the horizon. Let's see what he has on tap here for us this evening. J.D., go ahead and take it away, please. All right. U.S. President-elect Donald Trump plans to nominate Linda McMahon to head the Small Business Administration, according to Reuters.com. 
According to an announcement that was viewed by Reuters, the former, the soon-to-be president, Donald L. Trump, however, said that Linda has a tremendous background and is widely recognized as one of the country's top female executives advising businesses around the globe. Meanwhile, McMahon has been quoted as saying, our small businesses are the largest source of job creation in our country. Meanwhile, however, earlier tonight, however, on the WWE Network, however, NXT showed the matchup between Shinsei Nakamura and Samoa Joe that happened last Saturday in Osaka. That was the matchup in which, unfortunately, however, mind you, we will have a chance to see uh, Nakamura win the lose. Should I? Yeah, Nakamura win the title back. I should say, however, mind you. Meanwhile, however, coming up in late May, The Rock will be appearing in Baywatch. However, believe it or not, as it's set to be released in late May. And finally, however, Scott Hall recently spoke with Total Wrestling Magazine for a new interview, and some highlights are listed as below. On a plan changing for his pay-per-view debut at Survivor Series 92, Hall was quoted as saying, It was supposed to be in Ric Flair against Macho Man and Warrior. Vince used to lay storylines out way ahead of time. Going into this matchup, I was supposed to hurt Randy and retire so they could go into broadcasting. They were going to keep pushing the Razor character as a major heel force. But Warrior held up Vince for more money, but he wasn't having it this time. So they brought Perfect back from announcing to wrestling. Excuse me, announcing to wrestling. Announcing to wrestling. When plans, when plans change like that, in that situation, you have to feature a decent substitute, otherwise the audience will feel they got screwed. War didn't show up, and you put perfect in, perfect in. Good replacement. And on facing Bret Hart for the WWE title Royal Rumble 93, he had a few choice words for the hitman himself, saying, Going into that, if I had retired Savage, I would have been red hot. I would have had some good steam going into that. I'm not a Bret fan. To me, Bret's really selfish. If you watch, there's points in that match where I'm hitting Bret with what's regarded as a hell of a working punch, and I'm hitting him, and he's not even moving. He's not even registering it. It was what it was. He was the new champion he needed to win, which he got. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And then about the ladies and thank you, J.D., for those new stories right there. Of course, J.D., along with King and W.O. Gerard T. Smith, is, of course, King Ice. The premier WWS News Tag Team, they bring you all the news that's fit to print. And, of course, if it doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And, of course, and of course, as Gerard always says, the best way is with hammer, nails, glue, and duct tape. The old-fashioned way. Yes, sir. Uh, let's go ahead and see what we have here. And, of course, uh, like I said, uh, Human Suplex Machine John Gross has turned over the wrestling history duties to me tonight. So I will go ahead and uh, go ahead and get those red right there. We have a pretty good amount of stuff here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's go ahead. And, let's just go ahead. I want to say time and go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> uh, like I said, for December the seventh, which of course, as we said on outside the ropes, is a very, uh, of course, somber day for our country. The seventy-fifth anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. So we do remember those who. We risk our lives for our freedom, as we always do, each and every day, with our guys over there in the Middle East, of course. 29 years ago here today, which would put it at about 19, let's see, let's see, 29 years ago, 1987, okay, WBS taped the 14th edition of Saturday Night's Main Event at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. The show would not air, however, until January the 2nd, 1988. So after the New Year's when they aired this. Okay. And here's the matches that took place. Strike Force, who, of course, was the team of Tito Santana and Rhett Martel, defeated the Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov, 2-0 in a best-of-three falls match to retain the tag team titles. 
Jake the Snake Roberts defeated Sika. Excuse me, Hulk Hogan defeated King Kong Bundy to retain the WWF title, and Greg Valentine defeated Coco Beware. Uh, <clears throat> next up here, uh, 28 years ago today, which would put it at about 19, 1988, I believe. That's right. Yeah. There, yeah, that's right. WCW presented Clash of the Champions four seasons beatings from the UTC Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was the first major event to be presented under the WCW banner. They were still very much affiliated with the NWA. And here's some of the matches that took place in this. The Fantastics, the team of Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, defeated Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons to win the vacant NWA United States Tag Team titles. Steve Williams defeated the Italian Stallion. Ivan Koloff defeated Paul Jones. Koloff had one arm tied behind his back. <coughs> Excuse me. Road Warrior Animal defeated Dusty Road by DQ to gain possession of the NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. The Road Warriors dumped Rhodes and chose uh, Tenru as their new partner. Huh. And the Four Horsemen, which was, which was in this case Barry Windham and Ric Flair, defeated the Midnight Express, who was at that time Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. Uh, here's one somber, uh, uh, somber wrestling piece of wrestling history on this date 27 years ago, which would put it at 19, 1989, I do believe, yes. William D. Haystacks Calhoun passed away in his home in Collin County, Texas. He was only 55 years old. And here's some history about Haystacks. Born on August 3rd, 1934 in McKinney, Texas, Calhoun grew up on a farm about 30 miles north of Dallas. Calhoun was an un- unusually large child. A regular breakfast would often include a dozen eggs. Holy cow. Yeah, he was a big boy. <laughs> yeah, I-, I love eggs, man. I wouldn't eat that many. By age 14, he weighed over 300 pounds. He doubled his weight by his early 20s. His weight was not a burden at first. Annual labor on the farm was a breeze for Calhoun, as he had the strength of several men. Legend has it he was discovered by some wrestling promoters that saw him literally pick up and move cows across a field. Good Lord, are you kidding me? Move a cow? Yeah. You know how heavy a cow is? Lord, man. Ah. Okay. Sorry <clears throat> for the sound effects there. I hope he didn't have to milk them. He wouldn't have to bend over. Okay. I hate saying that. I'm sorry. He broke into the wrestling business in 1955 under local promoter and first NWA world champion Orville Brown, competing competing primarily in Houston, Kansas City, and Canada. His national breakthrough would come on the variety show Arc Link Letters House Party, where Calhoun demonstrated his immense strength, including tossing bales of hay into a high loft. His appearance would bless him with with the nickname Haystacks. Built from Morgan's Corner, Arkansas, he went with a hillbilly gimmick, complete with beard, white tee, blue overalls, and a, hor- and a horseshoe necklace. Though he was quite imposing, he was also mild-mannered and charming, making him a fan favorite. Calhoun also has an uncredited role in the movie version of Requ- Requiem for a Heavyweight in 1962. I did not know that. Yeah. However, due to his size, he was seen as a special attraction and would be booked as such. Calhoun rarely lost a match, 
and was largely restricted to handicap matches and battle royals. William was determined not to be seen as simply an attraction. He possessed some technique, put him far ahead of other super heavyweights at the time, including Happy Humphrey, who weighed over 800 pounds. Holy How can you survive to be that much and be that much? You can't. Only one man was able to lift Calhoun, and that was Bruno San Martino. At the height of his popularity, he was, he was at times more sought after than the world champion. Calhoun teamed with Mountain Man Mike when he wrestled out west. At a combined weight of over 1,200 pounds, the duo made up the second heaviest tag team in professional wrestling history. Though he had never won a world singles belt, he won tag team championships in the United States and Canada and was briefly one half of the WWF Tag Team Champions in 1973. Calhoun's weight and declining health, at the height of his career, he weighed about 640 pounds, forced him into retirement. Yeah, I don't think that would, that would happen. He would sadly lose his leg to diabetes in 1986 and would be confined to a double-wide trailer for the remainder of his life. It would be diabetes, diabetes that ultimately claimed his life at the age of 55 years old. What a great competitor, so I will have to admit that. 20 years ago today, today 1996, ECW presented Holiday Hell from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. It was the fourth Holiday Hell event, but the next to the last in the series. The last one would take place four years later, just before ECW's closing. Highlights and selected matches from the show aired on the December 10th, 17th, and 24th uh, episodes of ECW Hardcore TV. And here are the matches that took place at this event. The Dudley Boys, who was Bubba Ray and Spike, defeated Davey Pisano and Little Guido. Balls Mahoney defeated Kevin Storm. Gary Albright defeated Rick Rage. Brian Lee defeated Louis Spicoli. Taz defeated RVD. The gangsters Mustafa and New Jack defeated Axel Rotten and Devon Dudley to retain the ECW World Tag Team titles. Francine and Shane Douglas defeated Hugh McGillicuddy and Tommy Dreamer. Sabu defeated Perry Saturn. And Raven defeated the Sandman in a barbed wire massacre match to win the ECW World Heavyweight title. Nineteen years ago, I put it at, uh, let's see here, uh, 97, that's right, 1997. WF presented D-Generation X in your house. I remember this pay-per-view. From the Springfield Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. 6,358 were in attendance with 159,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's up from 121,000 from the December 96 in your house uh, pay-per-view called It's Time. The show is noted for the finals to crown the first WWF's light heavyweight champion of the modern era, the first appearance of Owen Hart since the infamous Montreal Screwjob, and the first singles match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock on pay-per-view. And here are the matches that took place at DX in your house. Takamishinoku defeated Brian Christopher to win the vacant WWF light heavyweight title. Los Bariquas, Miguel Perez Jr., Jesus Castillo Jr., and Jose Estrada Jr., defeated the Disciples of Apocalypse, Chains, Skull, and Eight Ball. 
Butterbean defeated Mark Merrill by knockout at, at 10 seconds of the fourth round. The New Age Outlaws, of course, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, defeated the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, to retain the tag team titles. Triple H defeated Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. Jeff Jarrett defeated The Undertaker by DQ. Steve Austin defeated The Rock to retain the WWF Intercontinental title. And Ken Shamrock defeated Shawn Michaels by DQ in a WWF title match. I do believe this was the match that Chap- that uh, Owen Hart actually made his appearance. And when I think he went after Shawn Michaels in this, if I'm not mistaken, J.D. Yes. Was that, okay, was that okay. 17 years ago today, put it in 1999, at a Thunder taping in Madison, Wisconsin, Bret Hart and Goldberg defeated Creative Control, Gerald and Patrick, who, of course, I think was actually the Harrison, to win the WWE World Tag Team titles. Nine years ago today, which was put it at, uh, let's see, 2007, WWE presented, presented tribute to the troops from Tikrit, Iraq. The show aired as a special edition of Raw on Christmas Eve. And here are some of the matches that took place as part of tribute to the troops. Chris Jericho defeated Randy Orton by DQ. Jeff Hardy defeated Carlito. Kelly Kelly and Layla defeated versus Maria and Mickey James ended in a no contest. Rey Mysterio defeated uh, Mark Henry. In a dark match, Ron Simmons defeated Hardcore Holly. And DX, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, defeated the team of Mr. Kennedy and Umaga. Eight years ago today, put it in 2008, TNA presented a final resolution from the Impact Zone at Universal Orlando. It's actually the second final resolution that year following a decision that made, made a few weeks earlier to move the event to December from January. I see. Okay. And here are some of the matches that took place at this pay-per-view. Curryman, Hernandez, Homicide, and Jay Lethal each won a Feast or Fired briefcase. Other participants were Sanjay Dutt, Alex Shelley, B.G. James, Chris Saban, Consequences Creed, Cute Kip, Jimmy Rave, and Lance Rock. Jay Lethal's briefcase contained the tag title match, and he successfully cashed in for the tag team titles on the December 16th Impact when he and Consequences Creed defeated Beer Money for the belts. Hernandez cashed in his world title briefcase in January 2009, but was unsuccessful when he won via DQ against Sting. He would have his briefcase returned to him, only to have it stolen from him in April by the debuting British Invasion. Hernandez won it back at Hard Justice in August and cashed in the second time at No Surrender in September. He was unsuccessful when he was defeated by AJ Styles in a five-way match for the world title. Homicide also had his case an exhibition championship match stolen by the British Invasion in April. He would win it back in July on Impact, defeating Douglas Williams in a ladder match. On the next, on the next episode, he would defeat Suicide with the exhibition title. Curryman got the fired briefcase, meaning he was fired. I think wasn't that the one Curryman was, <laughs> he, was a, he thought it was a he thought that that fired was another championship or something. That's what that was. Okay. That this 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 uh this feast or fired match, Curry Curry Man, I mean, they say Curry Man got the fired briefcase and he but he I don't think he understood the fact that meant that he was no longer that he was fired from the company. 
But he thought it was another. He thought it was another championship. I think, mm-hmm. but he didn't understand that. Okay. Anyway, ODB, Roxy, and Taylor Wilde defeated the be- the beautiful people, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, along with Charmel. Eric Young defeated Sheik Abdul Bashir to become the new TNA X Division champion. Christy Hemme defeated Awesome Kong in a TNA Knockouts Championship match. Beard Money. James Storm and Robert Roode defeated Abyss and Matt Morgan to retain the TNA World Tag Team titles. Kurt Angle defeated Rhino. Mick Foley was the referee in that match. And the main event mafia consisted of Booker T, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, and Sting defeated the front line, AJ Styles, Brother Devon, Brother Ray, and Samoa Joe. As a result of the win, Sting retained the TNA World Heavyweight title. Six years ago today, at a TNA Impact tape in Universal Orlando in 2010. Jay Lethal defeated Robbie E to win the TNA X Division Championship. Two years ago today, April 2014, AAA presented, and I'm just going to say the, um, the English version, War of the Titans from Auditoria Benito Juarez, the Zepapan in Zepapan, Mexico. And forgive me if I cannot if I don't pronounce these things that well. So this is going to be a challenge. So here we go, here, folks. Dionista defeated Mini Charlie Manson to retain the AAA World Mini Estrella Championship. Sexy Star and Taya Valkyrie defeated Fabi Apache and Ivalisi. Los Pedos de Mal which consisted of Joe Litter and Pentagon Jr., I think Gerard's mentioned him many times, defeated Angelico and Jack Evans, and also the team of Phoenix and Mestez, Mestez, I guess is how you pronounce it, in a three-team match to win the the AAA World Tag Team titles. The Psycho Circus, Monster Clown, Murder Clown, and Psycho Clown defeated Los Hell Brothers, Averno and Chessman, yeah, three on two handicap match to retain the AAA World Trios Championship. Aerostar defeated Superfly in a mask versus mask match. El Patron Alberto. Is that Alberto Del Rio? Who's that? El Patron Alberto. Didn't yes, I believe that was Alberto Del Rio. Yes. Defeated El Texano Jr. to win the AAA Mega Championship. The winner ended the two-year run of champion for El Texcano, the longest in AAA history. The belt was introduced, of course, in 2007. Alberto, who became the first man to win both CML, CMLLs and AAA's heavyweight titles, would hold the title until surprisingly re-signing with, the, with WWE in October of 2015. So yes, okay. So there you go. I knew Alberto had to be had to had to uh, be the one to kind of spark that off a little bit. Two years ago, once again, 2014, Ring of Honor presented Final Battle on Terminal 5 in New York City. In a pre-show dark match, the Brutal Burgers, Bob Evans and Cheeseburger, who knew a wrestler Cheeseburger? Defeated the team of B.J. Whitmer and Mikey Webb. And some other matches, Hanson defeated Caprice Coleman, Jimmy Jacobs and Mark Briscoe in a four-corner survival match. Roderick Strong defeated Adam Page. Michael Elgin, Elgin defeated 
Tommaso Ciampa, ACH, and the Young Bucks, who are Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, defeated Cedric Alexander and the Addiction, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Moose defeated R.D. Evans. Jay Lethal defeated Matt Seidel to retain an ROH World TV title. Reed Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly defeated Time Splitters, Alex Shelley, and Kushida to retain the ROH World Tag Team titles. And Jay Briscoe defeated Adam Cole in a fight without honor to retain the ROH World Championship. Now we have now we have some birthdays to talk about here. First off here, it's a happy 31st birthday for Jonathan Good, of course known to these day, wrestling fans these days as Dean Ambrose. And of course in the past life he was also known as John Moxley. Good from his his debut in, in 2004 to 2011 was one of the most successful independent wrestlers in the world, most notably winning the CZW World Heavyweight title twice and the Full Impact Pro World Championship once and the Heartland Wrestling Association Championship three times. He also won championships for Insanity Pro Wrestling and the International Wrestling Association. On the independence, Good has also competed for Ring of Honor, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, Evolve, and Dragon Gate USA. In 2011, Good signed with WWE and debuted for their developmental territory, Florida Championship Wrestling, as Dean Ambrose. Ambrose made his main roster debut at 2012 Survivor Series, of course, as one-third of The Shield, a trio fighting WWE's Injustices. The group was successful, particularly Dean. He held the WWE US title for 351 days, the longest reign since WWE took over the championship following the purchase of WCW in 2001. In June 2016, Ambrose became just the 47th man to hold the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and the last before WWE's second brand extension. He held the title for nearly three months before being defeated by AJ Styles at Backlash this past September. Good's wrestling persona, that of a lunatic fringe, is largely based on his childhood on Cincinnati's East End, where he lived in public housing and used wrestling to escape his woes. Last year, he got his first movie role as John... as John Shaw in the third edition of 12 Rounds. Good, now residing in Las Vegas, is in a relationship with WWE announcer Renee Paquette, of course best known as Renee Young. The Pro Wrestling Illustrated Most Popular Wrestler Award winner, two years running, is ranked by the publication as the ninth best singles wrestler in the world and in the most recent annual PWI 500. Today's also, believe it or not, the 44th birthday of Tamara Lynn Sitch, known sometimes as Tammy Lynn Sitch. She achieved her greater success as WWE diva Sunny. Crazy. It's crazy when you think it's her birthday today, too. Go figure. I'll be right back. Okay, no problem there, J.D. Let's be right back. Every time I'm going to continue. Uh, born in Matawan, New Jersey, Sitch got her start with Smoky Mountain Wrestling with her then-boyfriend, Chris Candido. She managed Brian Lee to the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Championship and also Lee and Candido to the tag titles. Tammy joined the WWF in late 1994 as Tamara Murphy, who did live event news segments for WWF syndicated shows. Chris Candido would soon join the company. 
The two would be paired as Sonny and Skip, the body Donnas. With Zip, Sonny would manage the duo to the WWF tag team titles at WrestleMania 12. She would go. She would then go on to manage the next two tag champions as well, the Godwins and the Smoking Guns, becoming the first manager to manage three consecutive champions in company history. Sitch was wildly popular in 96 and 97, winning AOL's Most Downloaded Woman and Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Manager of the Year awards. She also appeared on Singled Out and Entertainment Tonight. Her skyrocketing popularity led to many led to many to consider Sitch there was first diva, first diva, uh, yes. In 1997, Sitch appeared for ECW's Hardcore Heaven alongside her boyfriend, Candido. Around that time, Tammy would also host several WWF shows, including Livewire Live and Shotgun Saturday Night. Also around that time, she was approached by Playboy to pose nude for the magazine, but she declined. Rena Merrow, best known for her time as Sable in the WWF, Disputes the claim, saying the magazine never contacted Sitch. Tammy would pose nude a few years later for Wrestling Vixens, a site ran by former manager slash valet Missy Hyatt. Sitch, in a 2007 interview, said she regretted the decision. She briefly managed Legion of Doom 2000 in 1998 before being released that summer due to a number of factors, including no showing several events, including the fighting with Mero and a growing addiction to painkillers. Sitch returned to ECW on a permanent basis at Heat Wave back in 98 under her real name with Candido, feuding with Lance Storm and Don Marie <clears throat> Pilatus, a.k.a. Tammy Lynn B-Y-T-C-H. Sitch took two breaks from the company, first with rumors of her drug use resurfaced late, late 19, 1998, and again in 1999 when Sitch was arrested for filing a restraining order. Tammy openly talked of her past drug issues and reformation on an October 99 episode of ECW on TNN, but Tammy would be gone from the company for good with Chris after she was allegedly found passed out in a locker room. After a brief stop at Southern California-based Extreme Pro Wrestling in early 2000, she and Chris briefly joined WCW in the spring, feuding with Paisley and the artist formerly known as uh, uh, Prince I.K., of course, his name is Chris Ivers, Prince Ikea, and also Crowbar and Daphne. It wouldn't stick around long as Tammy's drug abuse again contributed to her release. Tammy largely had been on the, on the independent circuit following her release in WCW, appearing for XPW again and World Wrestling Council. Following the death of Chris Candido, Tammy briefly stepped away from the wrestling business but returned a few, few weeks later, appearing for NWS, the ECW reunion show Hardcore Homecoming, NWA Cyberspace Shockwave, Women's Superstars Uncensored, Ring of Honor, Dynamite Championship Wrestling. Tammy just made three appearances for the WWE in the 2000s. First, at the Raw 15th Anniversary Special in 2007. Second, the WrestleMania 25 Diva Battle Royal in 2009, where she was eliminated by Beth Phoenix, and she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2011. In 2012, the embattled Sitch was arrested five times in a four-week span, spanning September and October 2012. The charges included three counts of violating a protective order, third-degree burglary, and disorderly conduct. She was arrested again in January 2013 for violating a protective order. She was sentenced to 114 days in jail in May 2013. During her time in prison, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. 
turned to win a hysterectomy and was diagnosed as cancer-free. After being arrested three times on DUI and driving with a suspended license in May and June of 2015, Sitch pled guilty to the charges in January 2016. She was sentenced to 90 days in jail, but never served a day as her 97 days in rehab counted as jail credit. Sitch was arrested in September for violating her parole. In January 2016, Sitch signed a deal with adult film company Vivid Entertainment and released the film with them soon after. In February, she released an autobiography, A Star Shattered, The Rise and Fall of Wrestling Diva, Tammy Sunny Sitch. Sitch was voted by Pro Wrestling Illustrated Readers as Manager of the Year for 1996 and was honored that same year by the Cauliflower Alley Club. And here's a here's another birthday, but it's a very somber birthday. Today would have been the 58th birthday of Richard Erwin Rude, of course, best known to wrestling fans as Ravishing Rick Rude. Born in St. Peter, Minnesota, he attended Robbinsville High School with Tom Zink, Brady Boone, John Nord, Barry Darso. <clears throat> uh, well, he's got Brady Boone twice, but we all know who it is. And also close friend Kurt Henning, all of whom went on to become pro wrestlers. After graduating Anoka Ramsey Community College with an associate's degree in physical education, Rude began training become a wrestler under Eddie Sharkey. He made his debut in 1982 as babyface jobber Ricky Rude, starting with Vancouver-based NWA All-Star Wrestling. He would wrestle for Georgia Championship Wrestling, Continental Wrestling Association out of Memphis, and Jim Crockett Promotions before returning to Memphis in 1984 as Ravishing Rick Rude, an overconfident, arrogant heel. Under management of Jimmy Hart, he feuded with Jerry Lawler and one-time tag team partner King Kong Bundy. He wouldn't stay in Memphis long. Rude joined Championship Wrestling from Florida in December 1984. He was there less than a year, but he had a pretty successful stint winning the NWA Florida Southern Heavyweight title twice and the Florida version of the NWA United States Tag Titles with Jesse Barr. In late 1985, Rude joined his manager, Percy Pringle. Of course, everyone remembers the late Paul Bear and in world-class championship wrestling. He would win the NWA America Championship in November 1985. In February 1986, WCCW withdrew from the NWA and became the World Class Wrestling Association. His NWA America title became WCWA's new top title, the WCWA World Heavyweight Championship, essentially making Rude the first world champion. He held the title until July 1986 when he was defeated by Chris Adams. Shortly after, he fired Pringle and would be managed by his sister, Raven. He briefly teamed with the Dingo Warrior before he turned on him and became a babyface. Rude briefly returned to Jim Crocker Promotions in September 1986, teaming with Manny Fernandez as the awesome twosome. Under management of Paul Jones, the two would defeat the Rock and Roll Express for the NWA World Tag Team title in December. They would feed with the Rock and Roll Express until Rude suddenly left Jim Crocker promotions for the WWF in April of 1987. To cover for the departure, Jim Crocker promotions showed a non-title match where the Express defeated Rude and Fernandez while claiming Rude was injured during the bout. Rude made his WWF debut in July 1987 as the newest member of the Bobby Heenan family. He feuded with the man he replaced in the group, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, before famously feuded with Jason St. Roberts. It was during this feud that the rude gimmick was molded. He would wear specific, especially airbrushed tights, 
make a show of removing his robe and insult the men in the crowd, calling them fat, out-of-shape sweat hogs. They would kiss a woman post-match. One of those kisses was once directed at Cheryl Roberts, Jake Roberts' wife, but this was not explicitly stated initially. Cheryl slapped Rude after she refused to kiss him. Rude got angry and grabbed her by the wrist, prompting Roberts to run out and make the save. Other key points in the feud include Rude having Cheryl's face airbrushed on his tights and Roberts running to rip off said tights, leaving him with nothing but a G-string on. Oh, Lord. Though he had appeared to have been stripped naked to the home audience. The feud ended at Survivor Series in November when Roberts DDT'd Rude. Rude's only, Rude's only championship in the WWF came at WrestleMania five in April 1989 when he defeated the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental title. He lost the title back to Warrior at SummerSlam with interference from Roddy Roddy Piper. After feuding with Piper, he resumed his feud with Ultimate Warrior, this time over the WWF championship. Ultimate Warrior defeated Rude in a steel cage match at SummerSlam. It was his last high-profile feud with the company. This is he was set to feud with Big Boss Man after he had made the great comments towards his mother. Rude left the WWF. Rude spent most of the next year on the independent circuit in all Japan pro wrestling. Rude, initially amassed as a WCW Phantom, returned to the company at Halloween Havoc in October 1991. After unmasking, Rude would be the crown jewel of a dangerous alliance led by Paul E. Dangerously, and of course, including the likes of Medusa, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, and stunning Steve Austin. Rude quickly gained gold when the, the WCW United States Championship from Sting in November 1991. He held the title for the next 14 months, forfeiting the title in December 1992 when he had suffered a neck injury. Rude returned in April 1993 and feuded with Dustin Rhodes over the title. The two went to a series of nine finishes and a 1-1 draw in a 30-minute Ironman match at Beach Blast in July. Eventually, the title was held up with the winner of a best-of-three-match series on WCW Saturday night to be crowned champion. Rude won the first match, but would, 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 would two, straight, would, would two matches went straight to Rhodes. Rude turned his attention to the, to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship after the series ended. He defeated Ric Flair for the NWA World title at Fall Brawl in September 1993. Shortly thereafter, WCW had withdrawn from the NWA, meaning that the company had lost rights to use the NWA World title. WCW, in response, created their own title, the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. He lost the title to Hiroshi Hase in March 1994 in Tokyo, but would regain it just eight days later. Excuse me. He lost the title again just three weeks later to Sting at Spring Stampede, only to win it back at Wrestling Donaku in Fukuoka, Japan, just two weeks later. During that match, Rude injured his back on a suicide dive, landing on the corner of a raised platform surrounding the ring. Incapacitated, Rude was stripped of the title and would retire shortly thereafter. Rude would collect on a Lloyds of London insurance policy over for two years before returning in 1997 for ECW as a masked man taunting Shane Douglas. He eventually unmasked and became a color commentator for the promotion for aligning himself with Douglas's triple threat. He made a one-off return at Heat Wave 1997, initially teaming with Tommy Dreamer and Sandman in a six-man tag team match against RVD, Sabu, and Jerry Lawler before Rude turned on Dreamer and Sandman <laughs> as part of oh, his entire 
as part of an interpromotional war involving ECW, Lawler's United States Wrestling Association, and the WWF. While continuing to appear for ECW, Rude ret- ret- returned to the WWF in August 1997 yeah. as the insurance policy for Degeneration X. Of course, at the time, it was Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China. Rude never wrestled, but he interjected himself in matches as needed. Rude was on a per-appearance deal until leaving the company in the wake of the Montreal Screwjob at Survivor Series. Rude called Eric Bischoff on the evening of the Screwjob, informing him that, that what went down was real. As he was not under a full-time contract with the WWF, Rude was technically a free agent, free to negotiate, and eventually get a deal with WCW. Rude returned to WCW on November 17, 1997 on, on Nitro. Rude with a mustache appeared live and did a, did a work shoot promo on the WWF referring to the company as the Titanic, while a full-bearded Rude appeared on a taped episode of Raw is War. As Rude also appeared on the prior weekend's ECW Hardcore TV, also taped in advance, Rude became the only man to appear on all three promotions' TV shows in the same week. Rude, like like many ex-WWF stars at the time, joined the New World Order, primarily primarily managing his childhood friend, Kurt Henning. Henning followed Rude to the NWO Wolfpack following the Mega Stable split in the spring of 1998. Henning and Rude turned on Kona after he failed to defeat Goldberg for the U.S. title. Henning and Rude joined NWO Hollywood until both men disappeared from television late in the year. Henning, due to a leg injury, Rude to misdiagnose testicular cancer. It turned out to be a spermocycle. I guess I pronounce it. Henning returned at Star K without Rude while Rude left WCW in early 1999. <clears throat> Ravishing Rick Rude, a gimmick that could loosely be described as that of an adult film star, became one of the most successful heel superstars of his era, as often cited as influential for those looking to adopt a similar gimmick. He was also one of the toughest men in the wrestling business. Rude, along with Tom Billington, of course, Dynamite Kid, was bodyguards for Macho Man and Randy Savage when they were out on the road during Savage's time at, as WWF champion. Savage went to a bar frequented by NWA wrestlers. Savage, knowing that someone would attempt to make a name for himself by being the WWF champion, enlisted Billington and Rude to watch his back. Savage enjoyed his evening without incident. Allegedly, Hulk Hogan refused to wrestle Rick Rude. Rude was also known for his strong grip that came from his arm wrestling background. In 1983, Rude finished sixth in the world championships among light heavyweights. And here's the sample part here. On April 20th, 1999, Rude died in Alpharetta, Georgia. He was just 40 years old. He is survived by his wife of 11 years, Michelle. Rude, the family man, never took his wedding ring off. Not even during matches, he had his ring finger, Tate, and three children. His youngest son, Colton, died in a motorcycle accident in September 2016 at the age of 19. Though the initial diagnosis was heart failure, an autopsy later revealed that he had died of an overdose of mixed medications. Rude, at the time of his death, was training for a comeback. I remember that. Rude was part of one five-star rated match by Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which was the War Games match at Wrestle War 92 and was the publication's winner of Best Heel. That same year, he won Pro he, he, he won pro Wrestling Australia's Most Hated Wrestler Award. He ran number four in the singles 
wrestler in the world by the magazine and was ranked 57th among singles wrestlers in the PWI years in 2003. So, guys, there is your history. Uh, there is your history right there for for today. There's that, a whole bunch there. But, uh, and it was also a very special birthday. Happy birthday to basketball superstar uh, Larry Bird turned 60 today. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Thank you very much, sir, JD. Uh, <clears throat> and, of course, like I said, of course, thank you, JD, for the news that's here as well. Uh, 1724-444-7444, call ID 138-55-pound. This is episode 259 of W7US Revolution for Wednesday, December 7th, 2016. I'm, of course, Mr. W7US Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. Of course, joining me here tonight is, <clears throat> is of course, the Iceman J.D. Jeremy Geralmo. Of course, J.D. is a 2015 Hall of Famer and, of course, part of Raw Radio every Monday afternoon from 3 to 5, as well as, of course, <clears throat> all of our other shows here in the radio network. And on the chat box here tonight, the human simplest machine, John Gross, the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer and also part of the Raw Radio team as well. Well, guys, we still got some time here. We'll go ahead and... Uh, um, and, uh, and since um, since we didn't uh, get on until a little bit late, what we'll do is, like I said, just uh, give a brief overview of both TLC and SmackDown for 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 you, JD, and also for you, John, as well. So we'll go ahead and dive right, dive right into that. Of course, this past Sunday, TLC 2016, uh, which is of course was was of course featured superstars from the SmackDown brand, uh, has of course had seven great matches. A tables match, a ladders match, a chair, and all, uh, match, of course, involving all three. Plus, the pre-show had a 10-man tag team match involved, followed by, of course, a match with the tag team titles, and also a no-DQ match involving a couple of the of the WWE uh, women's division. So, J.D., let's go ahead and get your rundown here, your thoughts and opinions overall of TLC 2016. Uh, excuse me. It wasn't bad. I mean, I did like the last... I mean, there were some good things you got to like, and there's some things you didn't like. Obviously, the um, 10 men tag was good to start the show, however, mind you. Uh, also, of course, uh, the tag match was done a little short, hard, and crazy, however. And it wasn't too bad, however. I mean, it was short and quick, however. Uh, also, of course, we knew we'd see a new. We were kind of surprised to see a new SmackDown Women's Champion. Of course, Harley Quinn, Alexa Bliss is uh, actually your new champion, which is crazy. I don't know uh, why they made Becky lose the title like that, but hopefully Becky gets it done. Uh, gets it back very soon. However, on you. Um, and we'll see what happens there. However, as uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But I think. Uh, she will get it back either before the year's out or early uh, part of next, uh, January. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Miz Ziggler match was good for the most part. I thought that was one of the better matches of the night. However, um, hold on a second. I'm just I'm just uh, doing some stuff here too. Um, like I said, however, um, like I said, however, um, it wasn't a bad match, but at least Maurice kept her nose out of it. But uh, again. It's the same old result. However, the Wiz find a way to pull one out of his crack, however, and literally steal a victory from Ziggler, which they screwed Ziggler over once again, which was crazy. 
Um, as far as uh, the other matches go, I mean, the AJ Dean match was really good. I mean, it was one of the better matches of the night, however. But again, the thing that I thought was crap, you had to have that little pipsqueak rodent, however. James Ellsworth, the nerd, mind you, however, just show up, however, and find a way to screw Dean and give AJ the victory, which didn't make sense. AJ should have won it on his own and not have Ellsworth do his dirty work for him. I don't know where they're going with this. I mean, Ellsworth is just a jerk a nerd, whatever you want to call him, however. I mean, he is all those things, and then some. It's just, hopefully they get rid of this guy really soon. I'm getting tired of seeing this guy on my TV every chance I get. I mean, they're having shirts of him. They're having, like, hats of him. They're all having merchandise of him now, just of his stupid little smug little storky expression. I mean, he is an absolute an ass clown, to you say the least, however, and I just wish they would get rid of this guy. Uh, but AJ winning made sense, however. I just didn't think the finish was all that great, however. It could have been a little bit better. But, yeah, overall, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give TLC a 7. Okay. Thank you very much there, uh, J.D. Uh, John, did you have any thoughts and opinions, sir, about the, about Sunday's TLC pay-per-view? I'm going to wait to get John's response. Uh, I will point out that I did do a poll on the Revolution Radio Facebook page uh, asking everyone to vote about what their what their favorite match was of, <clears throat> of of course, um, of TFC 2016. Um, and I will refresh it, see if we had any other responses. Uh, let me see here. Uh, of course, there are seven matches to, to choose from here. Let me see here. Let me see here. Uh, no, it was very fact that we've only had two votes come in so far. We had one vote, uh, one person saying that they enjoyed the world title match. And actually, not we had one person say that they actually enjoyed the chairs match between Kalisto and Barry Corbin. So, uh, like I said, there's plenty of time to vote on here. There's no limit to where you, where you can vote there, folks. But please go ahead and um, vote on it. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, what you thought was the best match of TLC 2016. Now here's what John has to say about TLC. TLC was okay. He will admit he told everyone that Wyatt and Orton were going to become the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Hell would freeze over, and it surely did. We have new Tag Team Champions in Orton and Wyatt. So the, the Nikki Carmella match was good, in his opinion. Miz and Ziggler in the latter match with your Continental title was okay. Despite Maurice not sticking her nose in his business. <clears throat> I'm waiting to see what else he's, he's saying right here. This somehow finds Chief Corbin scores a major win over Kalisto. Of course, poor Kalisto. John believes things after he lost the U.S. title. He's been jobbed awfully bad. Well, I mean, Corbin Kalisto shouldn't have been should have been on the pre-show personally. However, they could have put the ten-man tag as a bonus attraction on the show itself. I mean, the ten-man tag was really good. Don't get me wrong, but Kalisto and Corbin. I mean, I said many times already, they're just absolutely crapping all over Corbin ever since he won the Andre the Giant Battle World. And they've got to get behind him if they want to really do something big with him and hopefully uh, have him involved with some big guys, whether it be Ambrose, whether it be uh, guys like AJ or even maybe uh, Cena down the road. But uh, as far as Kalisto goes, he should be staying on the 205 life side. 
excuse me, the 205 Live show with guys like Gulak and Dar and Swan and Alexander and all those guys, Heller. I mean, yeah, once in a while it's okay to appear on SmackDown, but he should be on the Cruiserweight show if he's going to be uh, competing with uh, like bigger, stronger, tougher guys like Corbin. I mean, he should be staying on the Cruiserweight show battling guys, like I said, like uh, Swan, Kendrick, uh, Dar, uh, Davari, uh, Gallagher, all those type of guys. Um, I would have to I'd have to agree. I mean, of course, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, it, it may, is, is Sin Cara part of that as well? Yeah, he hasn't been on yet, though. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure. Because, I mean, if you get Kalisto in that mix, you know, that'd be kind of interesting to see uh, if something happened there. You know, you never know. Uh, okay, John also says, Alexa, Becky with a women's title in a tables match. He... Uh, there was, there was, uh, of course, he, he believed that the, it was a much better match than the Nikki and Carmella match. But he has to get the devil its due. Alexa totally proved she belonged on the SmackDown roster, and she's the second woman to hold the SmackDown Women's Championship. And of course, now he says, now we're going to the main event. AJ and Ambrose was a good match. Don't get me, don't get him wrong. But had it not been for Ellsworth, Ambrose might have become the champion by hook or by crook. AJ successfully retains his title, but the question is, who is next? Who is the next challenger that will step up to AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble? Well, you never know. I mean, and John asks this question: Is anybody here Undertaker chance at TLC? JD, did you did you by any chance hear Undertaker chance at TLC? There were a couple, but I, it was tough to hear them, though. If they did, however, they were probably not loud enough. And if they were, however, I was kind of surprised that, the, that they didn't even acknowledge him. The announced team didn't acknowledge him of Ronaldo Phillips, Otunga, and uh, JBL. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, okay. Anything else you want to add for TLC? Yeah, says possibility Undertaker will battle AJ Styles for the WWE title at the Royal Rumble. Now that that I would love to see that happen. I don't know if that will. As far as Ellsworth goes with his WWE Championship match, he's not worthy enough to become WWE champion. I would agree with that. Yeah. This boy is getting his 15 minutes of fame times infinity. It seems like to him. Yeah. So. If he is a WWE champion, they will. The world will end if he becomes a champion. And John, that's all he has to say about that. No, yeah. what it will be will be like David Arquette. However, when the WCW World Title again, it'll be a slap in the face. And originally, that I thought they were going to go however, with that plan. However, originally until last night. I see. I see. We'll just have to. Must wait and see what happens. Okay. All right, gentlemen, now next up, of course, we'll definitely talk about uh, last night's SmackDown Live. The aftermath of TLC, we saw a lot of the battle scars and everything, as they always say, uh, very visible on everyone that took place. 
on everyone that took part at the took part at the TLC. Um, of course, of course, JD, uh, 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 uh on t- on uh, SmackDown after TLC. Ah, uh, excuse me. Well, uh, you had Sophia Grace on. Obviously, Howard Nikki Bell is one big fa- friend fan. However, show up however as a guest. However, mind you, which was very interesting. So give me a second here. I'm pulling this up. However, mind you. So hold on. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so, anyways, I was saying, uh, you had uh, some interesting. Uh, apparently, however, uh, where is it? I just saw it a second ago. So bear with me. Okay, here we go. You had, uh, like I said, an interesting way to begin the show. You had a tag team match, of course, in which Slater and Rhino, of course, were demanding a rematch, of course, against uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, of course. That was the way to kick off the show. That was your first match of the night, of course. We would see later on, I think, Rhino leave uh, Slater on uh, Talking Smack, if you will. As a result, however, Orton and Wyatt picked up the win, however, mind you, and it shows once again that they are a dominant tag team, however, mind you. Uh, next, we had uh, the Ascension taking on the Hype Bros. Of course, the Hype Bros win in three minutes. They continue to screw the Ascension, however, and just waste them in more ways than one. Then we go to probably the biggest, lamest segment of the night. However, as apparently, however, the Wiz and his little hoe bag, Maurice, however, come out and do another edition of Wiz TV, which really was lackluster in a lot of ways. Of course, uh, unfortunately, however, Daniel Bryan then decided to put the Miz in his place, however, for once, however, and told the Miz, however, that even though, however, he can't let Ambrose touch him, how he could do one better, and as a result, he announced that tonight's main event was going to be for the IC title versus Dean Ambrose, and of course, Dean liked that, so that was pretty cool. Then you have Kalisto Baron Corbin once again, and that turned out to be a joke, however, Corbin made it look easy in less than five minutes. Then you have uh, Chad Gable taking on uh, Tyler Breeze of the, fashion poli- of the Fashion Police, and that went three and a half minutes. Then, of course, you have another famous segment, of course, another boring-ass segment, this time by everyone's favorite stupid uh, new woman's champion, Miss Harley Quinn herself, Alexa, blonde-headed bimbo bitch, Bliss. And, of course, she decided to uh, say, however, that basically, however, mind you, however, that... She is the one running the division. Now, I think if Mary serves me there, Alexa, Becky was the champion for a while. You got lucky by the seat of your pants there on Sunday, however, TLC. So you're telling me you're the one running the SmackDown Live women's division now? No, no. There's two people running it. One of them is named Nikki Bella, and the other one is Becky Lynch. So take that as an advisement. And speaking of uh, uh, Nikki Bella, of course, uh, we saw what happened in a, week, in a weekly rant, uh, thing with Carmella and Natty, which, of course, I guess they're leading up to something, however, mind you, involving them. I would not be surprised if we see maybe a possible triple threat match, maybe next week, or a tag match where Nikki could be teaming up with Becky to take on Carmella and Natty. We'll have to wait and see where they go from that, as they'll be in uh, D.C. next week for the Tribute to the Troop show, which would be really good. Um, from there, we'll go to, I mean, you can tell by my voice, I'm not feeling 100% right now, so bear with me here, people. But uh, it's just not because uh, I am I really, uh, not, I mean, I'm not feeling well. Let's just say that. I'm not feeling well. It's not because uh, I'm upset or anything like that. It's just the way I'm talking right now. I've had a cold most of the day, so I'm trying to get over this real quick if I can. But let's go to probably the biggest bullshit moment of the night, if I like to call it. Here we go. I told you I was ready for another meltdown, and here we go. This is my meltdown moment of the night, however. 
We have The Miz taking on Dean Ambrose, however, in the IC title affair. But what happens again? The Miz, once again, shows he has no balls because he has to have his little whore wife, Maurice, save his ass because he can't do it by himself. And then what happens afterward? Oh, yeah. If that's not all, what little pipsqueak James Ellsworth, as I like to call him now, James the Jackass Ellsworth, however, Mr. Nerd himself, find a way to screw Dean Ambrose again. Of course, what happens? The ref doesn't see it, however, but because of this, however... Ambrose was ready to take a swing at Ellsworth, but unfortunately, Dean didn't see Miz come up from behind and get a cheap victory. So what happens again? It just shows to show you, however, once again, however, as the Miz and his little wifey-poo whore celebrate a cheap fluke victory because they have a new friend and apparently James Ellsworth, basically, who decided to put the screws into Dean again, however. So once again, Daniel Bryan, Howard, and Shane show no balls at all by leaving, telling Miz Howard to leave his wife in the back because apparently Miz can't do anything by himself. He has to have his little wifey poo at his side, Howard, because he has no guts at all to do it whatsoever. And now he has to have a new friend in the form of James Ellsworth. So it looks like Miz is racking up more of people who basically are nothing more than simple jackasses. Ellsworth, the Spirit Suck Squad, and of course his hoebag wife, Maurice. So... If, again, it just goes to show you that, once again, they continue to find a way to screw people like Ambrose, like Dolph Ziggler. So, again, I am addressing this elephant in the room, and I'll keep on addressing it as long as I can, Howard, until they get the picture right. And this message is sent out specifically to Mr. Daniel Bryan and Mr. Shane McMahon. If you guys have any balls whatsoever, would you please for once... I know you don't do it every week, however, but you ha- and you haven't done it. But for once, would you please tell the Miz to leave his little whore wife in the back where she belongs rather than be at ringside, however, saving his ass and finding a way to pull off a victory and help her husband cheat as usual. And then, if that's not all, punish James Ellsworth for what he did last week or well, not last week, last night and on Sunday, however, by putting him in a big strong match at a big giant tower and squash this guy and send him packing, please? I mean, these two continue to just annoy me to know and almost as bad as the spirit suck squad. But of course, they probably won't do it because obviously both the Maurice and El- both, excuse me, both Maurice and Ellsworth like the Spirit Suck Squad, will continue to kiss each other's ass because basically they'll find a way to do so because they'll find a way to just screw everyone over and piss everyone off. So again, Miz, however, you just continue to be the most annoying jackass on Tuesday nights along with your little whore wife, and now you've got your buddy, however, apparently what's your new buddy, however, James Elworth, where it's helped basically having... You having him help you out, however, because you didn't have the balls to do it alone by yourself this week. And by the way, where were your boys this week? The Spirit Suck Squad. Oh, that's right. They weren't on this week. But if they were on there, I'm sure they would have helped you too, Miz, because you don't have the balls to do it yourself. So, again, I'm addressing this to Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon. I'm hoping either before the year's out or early next year, however, they better start telling the Miz, however, if he wants to continue to be IC champion, Grow a set of balls, however, and leave your friends in the back. Otherwise, suspend the man or take the title off him. I'm getting sick of this crap. I really am. J.D., I couldn't have said that better myself. (coughs) Excellent point of of view, indeed. Thank you very much, sir, for your review of last night's SmackDown. Let's see what John has to say about this. Uh, Let me see. SmackDown was a fairly okay show. Ellsworth finally explained himself on why he turned on Ambrose and said he still has AJ Styles' number. 
But unfortunately for Ellsworth, Dean Ambrose took him to Dirty Deeds City, and that cancels the WWE Championship match. Speaking of championships, it, of course, goes to the uh, rematch between Bray Wyatt and Orton taking on Rhino and Heath Slater. A good match, of course, with Wyatt and Orton retaining. But just who in the world is going to challenge Wyatt and Orton for the SmackDown Tag Team titles? If you say he, if he was every SmackDown Tag Team out there, I consider not challenging them because if they do, there's no other way. <clears throat> because based on the Sister Abigail RKO combination, uh, based on what happened to Heath Slater as a result of a combination of the Sister Abigail and the RKO, that's a deadly combination, yes indeed. Carmella and Natalia didn't even start because of Carmella once again accusing Natty of what she did at Survivor Series to Nikki Bella. Carmella gets chased backstage, and Nikki Bella goes on to confront Natalia, and she never says anything to Natalia. Never. Of course, the Fashion Police takes on American Alpha. Well, in a, uh, in a singles match, it was Tyler Breeze taking on Chad Gable, with Gable, of course, winning that match. Johnson, I mean, he doesn't like the way they made Breezango the Fashion Police. I mean, big boss man is probably rolling over in his tombstone right now. <laughs> probably so. And once again, Miz TV comes out with Dean Ambrose. Definitely everyone knew that Ambrose versus the Miz for the IC belt would be on tonight to replace Styles versus Ellsworth for the ch- championship. Kalisto and Baron Corbin. That's his okay. He's seen his picture a thousand times. But then once again, Corbin squashes Kalisto. Yes, Kalisto is done for. Then Alexa's championship celebration gets ruined by Becky Lynch with the possibility that they might have a rematch at the Royal Rumble. Intercontinental title matches to end SmackDown, of course, Ellsworth and Maurice. Of course, like JD just said, had to stick their noses in their business where it didn't belong. Yes, I I would I would definitely agree. <coughs> John says anything else. Well, the one thing I will say, though, too, and I said it before, and I said it last week, and I usually, and, I, and I'm going to say it again this week, and I said it the last two weeks, however, I should say, however, is uh, what I was going to say um, that, I mean, Gerard, you and I, everyone else talked about this, however. If they want to make the 205 Live show a big show, I mean, we talked about it last night, even towards the tail end of last night's show as well. If they want to get people to stay at the show, however, and watch 205 Live, they've got to start putting it on before SmackDown. Put it on an hour or a half hour before the show, like a warm-up show, before SmackDown starts. And then do your show. Then if you want to do a poster like you have been doing, like Talking Smack and that, or something else uh, that's uh, WWE, special WWE like exclusive for the network, or whatever. It's like uh, the Edge and Christian show, or the best of the Shield, or best moments of the year, or best moments ever. However, like something like that we've never seen on television, but we've seen either on DVD, however, or going to be seen on DVD, as well as on the network itself, a network exclusive exclusive or do like a post game show like talking smack or talking raw post game show or even pay-per-view after pay-per-views do that because right now the 205 live power is like the same way ecw was back in the day when they were on sci-fi they're barely getting people to watch right now and it's sad because they could be doing so much more with these guys however so as i mentioned earlier last night i'll say it one more time WWE, if you guys have any common sense in the booking office and in the, in, in the front office itself, including you, Mr. McMahon, as well as you, Connor and Stephanie, move 205 live from 10 o'clock to 7 o'clock or 7.30 before SmackDown 
starting after the first of the year, however, and make it an hour or a half hour pregame warm-up show so fans can watch these cruiserweights. Because right now, you're not getting people to watch, and that's really sad. Uh, another excellent point of view. And, of course, like I said, uh, you know, they need to really just listen to, of course, those who really know it the best, and that is, of course, the wrestling fans. My personal opinion. Uh, <clears throat> of course, uh, John, John says right here, uh, Intercontinental title match to end SmackDown. Of course, Ellsworth and Maurice had to stick their noses in their business where it didn't belong. Hopefully, Shane and Daniel should see should see to it like JD did say here just recently. They should suspend the Miz, strip him of the championship, and make a tournament for the Intercontinental belt. If he continues to abuse his power and continues to abuse his obligations, not only by himself, but all members, of course, both members of the Spirit Squad, Maurice, Ellsworth, and others, because Miz has gotten away with victories by the skin of his teeth, but honestly, he's spitting on the face of people who have become the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. And, of course, John has a list right here. Pat Patterson, Tito Santana, Greg Valentine, the late Randy Savage, Ricky, Ricky Steamboat, the Honky Tonk Man, the late Ultimate Warrior, the late Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, the late Roddy Roddy Piper, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, the late Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, Jericho, and all the others who have held that belt. He's made the Intercontinental title very much meaningless. Hmm. I mean, I would, I mean, that part I would definitely agree because, I mean, he's, he, for some reason, has been obsessed with holding on to this. I mean, he hasn't gone after the big belts in quite some time, and they put him at this level and all that to where he's just probably focusing on that. He's been focusing on it way too much, though, in my personal opinion. And somebody somewhere is going to stand up to the Miz. It may not be now, but it may be next week. Maybe sometime before the Royal Rumble. And John says because Miz. Uh, excuse me. I'm <laughs> Let me see what else John has to say here. Because Miz's obsession with the Intercontinental title has gone very far, and it's all that he, it's all that he has. Everybody in his back pocket: his wife, his friends, his cheerleading buddies. Not not only that, but of course James Ellsworth as well. Anything else you wish to add there, sir?
Those are the people that tried to take the Intercontinental title this year and failed. Guys like Zack Ryder, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, the Demon Kane, Kevin Owens, Darren Young, Apollo Crews, Dolph Ziggler, and, and all the rest of the guys. There's going to be somebody on Mrs. doorstep sometime soon. And John says, end of story, end of his SmackDown review. John and JD, thank you very much, there, gentlemen, for your reviews of both TLC and SmackDown here tonight. Uh, we'll go a little bit of overtime. There was one time I wanted to do before we close out the evening here to have just have a tiny little bit of fun here before we close out the show. Let me take care of this one more time. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID is one three eight zero five five pound. You're listening to episode two hundred fifty nine of the Mothership Broadcast, WWE US Revolution for Wednesday, December seventh, two thousand and sixteen. And of course, Mr. WWE US Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you. With alongside me is the Iceman J.D., Jeremy Geronimo, excuse me, 2015 Hall of Famer, and, of course, part of Raw Radio and all of our other shows in the radio network, and also on the, excuse me, on the chat box tonight, the human surface machine, John Gross, the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer, as well as, of course, part of the Raw Radio broadcast team. Uh, just a couple here, guys. Uh, uh uh, and I'll ask both of you this question before I do this, because I already know your birthday's here. Uh, JD, color your shirt tonight, bud. JD. 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 Yeah. Okay, I'm. Not, I'm, not, I'm. That's all right, bud. Uh, question tonight, my man. Color your shirt, please. Uh, it is yellow. Yellow, okay. Uh, I know your birthday, you said, was December the 15th, is that correct? A week from tomorrow. From tomorrow, okay. We'll have to do something on Wolfpack next week. Well, we'll think about that. Uh, well, let me see here. The birthday scenario game right here, and here it is. Uh, JD defeated Lana over the steel steps. Oh, Yes, and, yes, and sorry, Lucifer, however, she's with me now. There you go. Uh, John, of course, is uh, March the 7th. Uh, John, your color shirt today, please, sir. I will say mine today is gray. So, John, your color, the color of your shirt today, please, sir. And he's wearing gray as well. Okay. Uh, do we have? Yes, we do. Okay. Of course, his birthday is March the 7th. John botched a move with Brock Lesnar under the, under the ring. Oh, no. Yeah, John, <laughs> good luck. Quote right back, feed me more. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Now, mine's even worse. Now, like I said, my shirt is gray as well, so apparently... Uh, Mine's going to be a little bit worse here. Mine, I was buried alive yes. by the bunny. Oh, no. Under the ring. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. Uh, uh, yikes, yikes, indeed. Uh, and uh, one one more here. And, well, of course, let me do that. Do that. And there's one I want to do that's non-wrestling related. Uh, and, of course, remember, Gerard is August the 17th. Uh, 
and I will tell I'll tell them what this is tomorrow. Gerard, and I'll have to say other in this case. I don't know what color shirt he has on tonight. Uh, Gerard ran over John Cena. What about John Cena? He ran over John Cena in a in a hardcore match. Oh no! Oh so, no! Well, I didn't know what color shirt he had on, so I had to I had to improvise on that. So. Right. Uh, okay, now this one right here. Uh, uh, okay, I see. I see what this. Okay, I see what this is. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna feel sorry for me, you, and uh, and John here uh, because this is uh, this is this is this kind of a, a weird. Weird thing here. You're making a sentence here, pretty much. Uh, December fifteenth, of course, JD. Uh, and you said you were in yellow, right? Yes. Oh Lord, JD. I'm sorry to say, my man, you took a crap on an old man. Oh no. Because you're gay. <laughs> it wasn't my day. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry, there, whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, uh. Okay, and here's John's March the seventh. John's is I need Santa Claus because I stink. <laughs> That's John. <laughs> okay. And me uh uh oh Lord. I pissed on a travesty because, <laughs> excuse me. Because I because I stink. <laughs> and uh, and Gerard, I'll say, is, is August 17th. John, uh, Gerard, he effed a clown because he was single. Oh, Lord. He did what with a clown and single? He effed. I'm not going to say the word. You know what I mean when I say effed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, what was Sean? I said, "Ooh, I feel bad about that." Yeah, that's uh, no, that's uh, that's that that's a uh, okay. Uh, um, we're on a roll here. We're on a roll here. Might as well go ahead and do one more here. What was Sean's though? John, no, oh, oh, you want to hear John's? Yeah, I didn't hear that one. John's was he needed Santa Claus because he stunk. Oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, let me see here. If I can, if I can, let me find more here. Um, and uh, because there's a bunch of good ones here. Uh, okay, so this one's only the birthday, and this is only the birth month and the day. That's all this is, okay? So, all right, so you got nothing to fear on this. JD, you took a shower with Bray Wyatt. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> I better fall upon this, all right. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, John John almost fell while rollerblading, but he was caught by John Cena. There you go, Cena. Cena and John, there you go. Okay, and mine, I'm going to be kind of freaked out when I hear this. I had a water balloon war with Roman Reigns while at the beach. There you go. And Gerard is August 17th. Oh my lord, Gerard ain't and Gerard ain't gonna like this. He got spooned by Daniel Bryan. Yikes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. 
Hey, would you like to know what your porn name is? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, one more here, then, we'll, then I promise you we'll call it out. I'm going to save some of these for use, what to use later. Even if they're not wrestling-related, we'll do some of these. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, oh, my Lord. J.D., you are the Dirty Squealer. The Dirty Squealer, yikes. Yeah, yeah that's your porn name. Come here. John. Whoa there, buddy. Oh, my Lord. I like John. I love John. John is Boss Eruption. Eruption. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Whoa there. The girls are going to be going all over him, man. (laughs) Uh, And mine is, mine's even worse. Mine is Tasty Liquor. L I C K E R. Hmm. <laughs> All right. And Gerard's is the August seventeenth. His is the Sweet Slurper. Sweet Slurper, nice. Oh my lord, that's okay. Oh, this is oh lord, this is uh, uh, this is there's so many uh, there's so many of these interesting ones here. We could go all night with it, but I am I promise. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I found another one. I have to do this. Everyone remembers Teen Titans, the cartoon Teen Titans. JD. Yeah. Sorry. You remember the cartoon Teen Titans? Yeah. Okay. You remember some of the a lot of the characters mm-hmm. that took that was part of um, that was that was part of uh, Teen Titans. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the cartoons. Okay. All right. Uh, let me see here. December fifteenth. Uh, I think this is. I think this one might be a villain here. You have you have a relationship with Madame Rouge. I bet that's a villain on Teen Titan. Okay, John. Uh, he defeated evil with Kid Flash. And me. I had a dream with Jinx. Hmm. Some of you may not know, some of you may not know, but I may or may not. But okay. And Gerard, the August seventeenth, he went on a trip with the Brain, and that's not Bobby. <laughs> so. Okay, okay, doke. Uh, we'll send the rest of these for. We'll send the rest of these for tomorrow. There's a lot of great ones here. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the Iceman, J.D. Jerry Girolamo, <clears throat> and also the Human Special Machine, John Gross, for joining me here this evening as part of episode 259 of WWS Revolution. Uh, hopefully tomorrow night we'll have, once again, King and W. and Gerard T. Smith back on. Obviously, there were some different circumstances. He was not able to make it on. But hopefully we'll have him back on here uh, for that. Uh, be sure, of course, tomorrow for the Double Dose Part 2, Right now, we're up in the air about Papio Inc. I'm not sure if we're going if that's going to take place or not. But uh, in the event that it doesn't, you may be hearing an episode of Wrestling Profile in its place tomorrow. So we'll get everybody informed of the situation. But, of course, tomorrow night from 9 to 11, of course, 138-521-POUND will be NWO Wolfpack. As we, of course, once again, give you the wrestling news and views of the day, plus some history and birthdays and some other general wrestling talk. Who knows? Some more of these birthday lists, and um, and who knows what else we'll be able to find to do here. But we'll definitely bring you something tomorrow. NWO Wolfpack here from nine to eleven. Call ID 
138-521-POUND. For the Iceman, Jeremy Geronimo, and the Human Suppressed Machine, John Gross, and the rest of our panel, way too tough to handle. This is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw for episode 259 of Revolution for December 7th, 2016. Revolution is a broadcast of the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com. We're one year older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Gentlemen, take care. See you in the ring. As always here in the radio network, God bless. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.